My next guest is an original member of one of the most influential bands to come from the 1960s. The Animals have been classified as the backbone of the British invasion. The Animals, they are making their way to Australia in late November and early December. It's a very big welcome to the drummer of The Animals, John Steele. Hello, Joe. Uh, thank you, and it's uh, nice, to, nice to be talking to you. The 60s, 1960s, uh, the swinging 60s, the British invasion. What is it about the 1960s that still holds true with music fans today? I mean, each era, whether it be the 70s, the 80s, and even the 90s with the grunge music, you know, they had their own thing. But why does the 60s, why is it, does it, it's just, it has a mystique about it that's unexplainable? Yeah, uh, it's, it's difficult to define, Joel. It's, um, as you say, every every generation has its own, you know, background music, and uh, uh, but the sixties somehow seems to um, have such legs that it, it covers uh, other generations. You know, I mean, I think with, particularly with the animals, um, I can only speak for the animals in the sense that the the music that we recorded back in those days. Uh, still stands up so well today. You know, I mean, people can identify with we got to get out of this place and don't let me be misunderstood and it's my life. And of course, House of the Rising Sun, you know, all those songs just seem to hit a chord with anybody of any age. You know, we, we get we get young kids coming to our shows all over the world and they know all the lyrics, you know, they're singing along. <laughs> I, I can't even remember all the lyrics myself. You know? <laughs> And I mean, something the British seemed to do well, especially back in the 60s, was incorporating American blues. How much did that have oh, an yeah. influence on the animals? Oh, very, very much so. You know, um, when, when you know, um, Eric and me met when we were, Eric Burden, the original vocalist singer, we met when we were 15 years old, teenagers, and, and that was 1956. And at that point, um, just about all the, the things that, um, that touched, you know, Influenced us, uh, seemed to come from America, you know. And in, in you know, 1956, it was early rock and roll period, and um, but we always we always kind of looked behind the the mainstream pop charts and and went for you know Fats Domino and Little Richard and Chuck Berry and uh, all those guys, and then we even dug even deeper and you know found Muddy Waters and John Lee Hooker. <laughs> It's just music that um, it resonated with us, you know. And then, we, and instead of just being fans, we 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 wanted to be part of it, you know. So we we thought it was happening all over the country, all over the UK. We didn't realize it at the time, but there were people of our age have had the same thought, you know. I don't want to just listen to this; I want to play this, you know. And that's that's how the British beat boom kind of took off. By the time we were all into the 60s uh, we've been playing for quite a few years and, and our, 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 our whole sort of fundamental feel was for, for blues and jazz and rock and roll you know I mean the Rolling Stones uh, Led Zeppelin and obviously the, yourselves with the animals obviously kind of I guess tapped into that untapped resource being the American blues how come it took the I guess the mainstream America to I mean, how come it took them so long to jump on it? I mean, when you guys were real and truly sort of experimenting with that style of music? <laughs> yeah, it was bizarre sometimes. I mean, I remember when we first, um, you know, we had House of the Rising Sun as a number one, which, you know, opened the door for us to, um, to, to, to be an international band. And the Beatles had already sort of knocked that door down in America. So um, 
when when I can remember when we first went there on our first sort of tours and first interviews. You know, the one one interviewer said, uh, "So how come you guys invented this music?" Of <laughs> <laughs> course, we we just went, "What? <laughs> it's your music, man. We just borrowed it." You know. Yeah. How's this for a uh, a rap sheet? Uh, the animals have a staggering nine top fifty hits here in Australia. Four in the uh, top twenty. Obviously, House of the Rising Sun. I'm crying. Boom, boom. Don't let me be misunderstood. Bring it on home to me. Uh, we've got to get out of this place. It's my life. Inside looking out. I mean, the list goes on there. I mean, back in the 1960s, was Australia high on the priority to go out there and tour, or was there that kind of mentality we need to conquer America first? Yeah, I think that was a, that was the sort of um, you, know, you got to remember, Joe, when we were young, we were green, we, we didn't know how how the business worked, you know. But the people who sort of handled us, agents, management, they all had a fixation on breaking it big in America. You know, the Beatles had already, like I say, knocked the door down. So that that was the the prime um, target for, for for the business heads in the in the game. We just kind of went along with it, but. Uh, no, Australia didn't come into my life until um, in the 90s, you know, mm. unfortunately, because when, <laughs> when I did finally get to Australia, I thought, I wish I'd been here in the 60s, I think it would have settled here. <laughs> <laughs> Love the place. That's great. Now, I guess um, House of the Rising Sun, it's always fascinated me. I remember uh, watching a uh, Bob Dylan documentary. Uh, apparently, he uh, stole it from uh, Dave Van Ronk. He eventually recorded it on his debut album, and I think Dave Van Ronk was a little bit upset that he had recorded it because he wanted to record it on an album. But he, Bob Dylan had to then stop performing it because you guys released the song in 1964, and everyone thought that uh, Bob Dylan was ripping you guys off. I mean, it's an interesting <laughs> song. Uh, apparently, according to online, I guess the authorship is uh, unknown. I mean, what was it like? I guess, what was the backstory in recording that song? Was there any... I guess knowledge of where this song actually came from. Well, the first time we heard it, um, this is, to my knowledge, is, is from Bob Dylan's debut album. Yeah. Uh, it was an it was an acoustic version, and to be fair, he gave uh, Dave Van Ronk the credit, the writing credit for it. You know, which must have been very nice for Dave Van Ronk's bank balance. He he, <laughs> he, did, he didn't need to complain too much. Yeah. <laughs> It was um, better to be a track on a Bob Dylan album, I think, than um, than something that more obscure. But uh, we, we found later that um, the, the, the thing had a history. It goes way, way back to... It's probably an originally Irish or Scottish folk song, you know, mm. I would guess. But um, people like, you know, blues, um, obscure people like Leadbelly, Huddy Leadbetter recorded it. Um, it's, it's, it's been kicked around for, you know, donkey's years. Um, but we heard it, um, as I say, on Bob Dylan's album, and um, we started to kick it around, you know, just um, saying, that's a nice song, let's try that, you know. And it kind of coincided with our first um, proper tour when we were taken on to play support to Chuck Berry on his first visit to the UK, and this is 1964. And it was that, that was great for us, because Chuck Berry was one of our heroes, you know, and we were just, just kind of getting a tickle in the charts with our first single. We, we were on this tour two shows a night, three weeks uh, solid, packed out every night. Uh, our bass player said, um, you know, we should do uh, House of Rising Sun because everybody's trying to outrock Chuck Berry and Carl Perkins, who was also on the tour. You know, Carl Perkins wrote Blue Suede Shoes. Mm. And uh, so we tried it out. 
and uh, because it was so radically different from from everything else that was being played on that tour, uh, it, it, you've really felt it, there's a buzz going on here. You know, the the audience lapped it up. Um, so we we broke off the tour and halfway through to just we played Liverpool and then we drove down through the night to, to London to a little studio where we recorded our first single, just a, a single track studio mono in a basement in, in Holborn in London. And we, we, we set up for a balance, got, got a balance for the engineer, and then we played it once, one time. And <laughs> Mickey Most, who was our producer, said, come in and listen to this. So we trooped into the control room, listened to the playback, and Mickey said, that's a hit record. And we went, wow, we made a hit record. <laughs> but the engineer, the engineer said, ah, a bit of a problem there, Mickey says, that's... Uh, four minutes 35 seconds I think it was yeah. and uh, that's everybody stopped you know because it, in those days the BBC ruled the air and, and nobody played I mean singles were just two and a half minutes maybe three at the very most yeah. nobody played anything more than that but um, these are the exact words I remember Mickey he said the hell with that we're in the final age now let's go with it <laughs> <laughs> so we produced not only the first folk rock crossover single we produced the first single to to break the old two two and a half minute barrier and uh, we had a number one and before before we knew it we were number one just about everywhere everywhere in the world it was amazing hello uh, i'm john Steele, original drummer from the animals looking forward to uh, this tour coming up in oz and um can't wait to get there and you're listening now to coast fm 963 Rodney Dion live, Coast FM 963, speaking with John Steele, the drummer and original member of The Animals, currently making their way around the country as we speak. And John, I know uh, this question's probably full of uh, legalities, but The Animals' uh, name and the ownership of the name, I mean, is there any chance in the future for uh, yourself and uh, Eric Burden to break uh, bread and do a final reunion show? Uh, I really don't think so, Joel. I think... um uh, Eric's, uh, you know, been announced that this is his last year touring, you know, mm. um, and he had a bit of a rough ride in um, in Germany and, and Holland on, on very recently this summer, um, where things the wheels came off a bit, um, and and uh, he cancelled a lot of dates. Generally speaking, I think I think he's um, more or less, you know, off the road now. Uh, so I, I, I really don't foresee any um, any anything. Like you, like you say, <laughs> breaking bread. I don't see that happening. I think Eric's um, he's, he's been determined for a, ever since the original animals. He's, he's kind of been trying to get out from under that shadow, if you like, um, t- to establish himself as you know Eric Burden as a brand name. Mm. But he can't seem to get he can't seem to get there without uh, without the use of the name the animals. You know. Um, I mean, Van Morrison, exact contemporary uh, from from the same sort of background, you know, working class, uh, provincial city. Everybody knows Van, the man, but somehow it didn't work for Eric. You know, he, he hasn't managed to achieve that um, that ambition to be a, a name, a big name in his own right. Um, and, and now I think I think he's just pretty much given up. It sounds like it to me from what from what I hear that. Um, it's retirement that's kind of 
not necessarily his idea, but just time to give up. <laughs> I think he's had some health issues, you know. Yeah, that's fair enough. And uh, I guess uh, before you decide to uh, hang up the boots, you are going to make it out here uh, with the animals, the Australian tour, and you're going to be coming to the entrance uh, legs club here at Bado Bay, right on the central coast. What can the punters expect when the animals uh, hit the stage? Oh, um, a good tight band. We're really, we're really, really tight because we play a lot together and we, we really enjoy being you know on the road with each other there's a great chemistry it's a lot of fun and that's the main thing i think i think it always comes across that we are enjoying it you know and uh, i think that that brings the the audience in with us so it's it's like a party we we just play some really really good stuff it's all animals based uh, it's either the original singles or album tracks b-sides uh ep tracks <laughs> there's loads of stuff that we we pick and mix from, you know, but obviously we 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 always have the hit singles in there too. But um, the rest of it, we can just shuffle them around and keep it fresh, you know. It it seems to work because I can't I can't remember a time when we haven't had a stand ovation at the end of a set, you know. It's really good good fun. It's a good buzz. You talk about a standing ovation there. Do you still get some of the groupies uh, throwing knickers at you? Last year, I think it was. There was a there was a pale blue bra came flying out of the stage, but I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but uh, doesn't doesn't happen the way it used to in the sixties. It's the animals making their way around Australia in late November, early December. Get all your ticket info online. I've been speaking with the original member and the drummer from the Animals. It's Mr. John Steele. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Joel. I really enjoyed talking to you.